something came up that uh, I want to discuss with the church family. And so, without further ado, I'm going to jump into a Bible passage written to a church that was located in Turkey. So, yeah, it's Ephesus. So, the book of Ephesians, which is interesting because it was a, yeah, a, a hub of dynamic Christian activity. The Apostle Paul was there. He left Timothy there. Um, a lot of stuff was happening in biblical times. And uh, evidently, that church uh, petered out, pooped out. The fire didn't keep going. Paul said, protect it, keep it burning, passes a torch to Timothy. He tried to pass it on. You know, the things you've learned from me in the presence of many witnesses, he told Timothy, you, you pass them on to faithful men, will be able to pass them on to others. Someone dropped the baton or something. The light went out. Now there's almost nothing going on in Turkey. But anyway, um, but to the church of Ephesus, Paul writes this, and I'm going to dissect it, slice it, dice it up for you uh, here in a minute. Not too much, not too detailed. I just, I want to make some points. But uh, very famous passage, well-known passage. Finally, so title, getting it done, getting what done, kingdom stuff, impacting this world for God on biblical terms. Finally, be strong in the Lord, in the strength of his might, put on the full armor of God. Do you have the armor of God on right now? Why not? Not planning on getting it done? Not reading your Bible? That's what he's telling us to do. The Bible says, hey, if you're a Christian, keep your armor on. Put on the full armor of God so you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. All right, we've got to have armor on. We've got to be aware that we have an enemy. Uh, a lot of Christians today don't even believe there is an enemy. We're too sophisticated. We're too smart. We're smarter than Jesus. We're smarter than the apostles. We're smarter than God himself. We're smarter than the Bible. Uh, we went through the Enlightenment. We're, we've, you know, it's called chronological snobbery. It's believing that our point in history is the smartest point that's ever lived, which a thousand years from now, God willing, if we're still around, they're going to look back at us and laugh. I'm just telling you, they're going to laugh. They're going to laugh at our science. They're going to laugh at our medicine. They're going to laugh at everything because that's what we do with everybody. And everybody who ever existed had, had this case of chronological snobbery, thinking they are at the pinnacle of all truth. We look back at Plato and Aristotle and we laugh. Philosophers laugh at them, even though they kind of, you know, launched the ship. So anyway, we're not as smart as we think we are. So there is a devil. And God gave us revelation. So put on your armor. Stand firm against the devil. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. That means our problem is not other people. It's not creation. It's not physiology. It's not what lights up on a cat scan when we put it's it's not flesh and blood. What is it, Paul? It's rulers. And again, let's go back. What did he just say? The devil. So rulers. So there's a devil, and then there's other forces under the devil, rulers, powers, world forces of this darkness, spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. So this is either true or it's not. And if it's not true. Let's throw our Bibles away and become materialists or something, or pick another religion. If it is, this undergirds the whole New Testament, this idea that there's evil spiritual powers, 
He's like, I just think that's improbable. Well, it's as improbable as God is improbable. God is an invisible spiritual power. So why is it so improbable that there's evil spiritual powers if there is a grand good spiritual power? And the book that God supposedly inspires says there are these evil powers. So put on your armor, stand firm against the schemes of the devil, um, take up the full armor of God so that you'll be able to resist in the evil day. We're not aware that there are powers. We're not aware that there's armor. Guess what? We're going to be collateral damage. That's why most people are miserable. That's where our depression comes from. That's where our relational chaos comes from. That's where our mayhem, that's why that most people live lives of quiet desperation. They're just getting thrashed. They're in this battle, you know, and, and you know, bombs going off and bullets flying. And um, they're just unaware that there's even this invisible battle happening. Paul says, you don't have to be. Put on your armor. Be aware. So how do we do this, Paul? Stand firm, having girded your loins with truth. So kind of your hold it all together undergarment, you know, that's that's underneath the armor is truth. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. We're going to go over these briefly here in a minute. Shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, take up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Man, Paul's really into this demonic stuff. So is Jesus. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And most people leave this last part off. But when I was a student, I was really honored to study with an, a fabulous Greek scholar. And I remember one of my assignments, he was teaching me the uses of this particular preposition, dia, and one of them is instrumental, which you can actually say, how, is all the, how are all the previous things going to take place? And Paul is saying, in your time of prayer. That's where you put this all on. That's where you make sure you have the breastplate on. That's where you, you make sure that you are walking with the sword of the Spirit. So most people cut it off, which is tragic, thinking maybe they could do this apart from prayer. But he says, by means of prayer and petition. This is another kind of prayer, asking God for things. Emphasis. Paul likes to emphasize things by repetition. At all times in the spirit, which means we have the spirit of God in us, helping us to pray rightly. With this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. <clears throat> so why am I doing this? Because as a church family, and we're all mostly, almost everybody here, you're, you're committed. You're in this thing. You're, you are disciples. You're not, gee, I wonder if Jesus is true or, you know, maybe he's just one of many. You know, I mean, you guys are locked onto Jesus and you're, you, you're committed to the word of God. You believe it's true. You believe this is revelation. Um, one of the things we do as a church, among others, is it's on our website. We like to grab people who are hopeless, doomed, throwaways, crazy, demonized, whacked out, psychologically, whatever, moral reprobate. I mean, just hopeless cases so one of the things we do as a church we grab hopeless cases it's not the only thing we do um but it is something that god has called us to and i've done it for years i'm not the best that god's ever had in this department but we've had some successes in this church it's just something that we do <clears throat> to the point where 
uh, we get referrals from other ministers because our church has kind of a little niche and not everyone can do it. Um, everybody likes to think they could because they like to think it's magic and somehow they'd be able to do something tomorrow that they've never done before in their life. No, it's a skill set. You have to learn how to do it. <clears throat> so I just want to, I guess something has just happened recently and it's thrown some people for a loop. And I just want you guys to start settling in and realizing there are patterns in the spiritual battle. When you're dealing with people who are shattered and broken, if every bit, everybody and every minister and every counselor and anybody could do it, everybody would be doing it. But there's very few, even Christians, that can get this done. It's just a fact. This isn't proud. It's a, you know, humility is not a beautiful woman saying she's ugly. That's a lie, and that's called false humility. So saying, oh, we're just stupid, and we're just lucky, and we don't know what we're doing as a church. No, I mean, we've got people that have paid their dues, and they've put a lot of time into studying the Word, and they, they're learning how to fight. And we have some really super cool success in terms of people being restored and getting their feet under them. But uh, something tends to happen when you take in a super broken person, and uh, that is... God will touch them. They will go through this miraculous wow phase. And then they will spin out and go way off track. Why does it have to happen that way? I don't know. It just happens all the time. And if we look at the most broken people who God's brought to this church who are thriving right now, Virtually every single one of them will say, I was touched by God. I was amazed. Uh, his love overwhelmed me, etc. But somehow I got sucked back into the darkness for a time. That is not the time to mope around and hang your head and say, what did we do wrong? And why isn't you know our church more awesome? I'm just telling you, that's what I've seen happen again and again and again. And if we look at the most miraculous cases of life transformation, even in this church, without exception, this is what happened. So why am I saying this? Well, do the math. Because uh, this just happened recently. And sometimes the spin out is shocking. Shocking. Like sometimes more crazy and demonic than you ever saw the person before. <clears throat> so Paul says, put on the full armor of God so that you can fight this spiritual battle well um, because the devil has schemes. He has intelligent plans. He has battle plans. Do you know what they are? You know how to fight them. It's sort of like a chess game, but a really violent, crazy chess game. You make a move, he makes a move. You make another move, he makes another move. It's a real battle. It's really ugly. Um, and we're in it, and the Bible says we can win it. Do you know how to do it? So the one thing I'm going to tell you guys in the first place is 
This is from um, yeah, <laughs> Lord of the Rings, Two Towers. Hopefully, we know our Bibles better than we know our favorite movies. But um, yeah, I thought, where's a good picture of a siege war? The first thing you need to know, again, with the most um, crazy cases of success that we've seen in this church and I've seen in my life, I cannot think of a time where someone who was deeply involved in immorality or some fatherless child was deeply involved in criminal activity um, or someone was a sexual abuse victim or someone was on the street or someone was way into the occult and the dark arts and all this, that uh, they came forward at a prayer meeting. We laid hands on them and prayed for them. And then they just like launched off like a rocket ship and never had a trouble from the day they asked Jesus into their heart. I've I don't recall ever seeing that or even ever hearing about that. Um, what's interesting, my favorite church, Brooklyn Tabernacle, who, who has phenomenal miracles in that church. <clears throat> Anything you could name. But it's the same kind of stuff we've seen in our church, but, but just bigger, more, same methods, same strategies. But even some of those amazing testimonies that you'll watch on their website, it, the, some of those people wiped out and then they had to get them back on track again. This is very typical. It is a siege war. So when God touches someone's heart uh, and you make your move in the spirit, it's a real move and something real happened. But do you really think, again, if there is a real devil, and the Bible says, woe unto you, to the earth. He has been thrown down here. His time is short. And he is on a tear. He is on a tear to destroy lives. Do you think we can take somebody that the devil has that close to utter destruction? We can snatch him out of his mouth, you know, punch him in the nose, step on his head, take him to the church, and the devil's going to say, oh, fine, I just didn't know you guys really wanted him, so I, you could just have him from here. Are you crazy? The devil is like, you know, and, and, and then this verse says, there, there's this whole hierarchy of demonic spirits. And uh, part of me is like, do you guys really want to do this? Or some of you like, I didn't sign up for this. I thought Jesus would, you know, help me get a good job and maybe find a spouse and I could go to Happy Ponyland when I died. I didn't know about this. I didn't know about this demons and crazy, you know, people's lives being destroyed and that I got to get in the mix and make it happen. I mean, do you really want to do this? Because if this is going on, I mean, what, what else? Are we, you can either be deceived or you can get in the battle. But it is siege war. And one of the things we have to do is we've got to lock on. We've got to keep praying. We've got to keep praying. And unless that person is dead, you keep swinging. And I don't mean just in, in your frenzied foolishness swing. Learn how to swing strategically. Learn how to do it strategically. And that's what Paul is saying here. And be in it for the long haul. Uh, so, I mean, we, and he says, stand in the in the uh, two towers and uh, this battle for Helm's Deep, all this. You have all these orcs. And so that's a good imagery. You got all these demons that come up the ladders. Ah, you know, these demons, these almost soulless, violent. Why, that, 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 it's a good vision of what the demonic is. But they are these personal beings, the Bible says they're out there to destroy us. Years ago, it's funny, a friend of mine, years and years ago, I, uh, I mean, this is like 25 years ago, but the first thing he ever heard me teach was, 
the biggest ruse that the devil ever pulled on planet Earth was convincing us he doesn't exist. So either he does or he doesn't. And if he doesn't, seriously, why are we even reading the Bible? The Bible sets it up there. These evil forces, God is... a Now, they're not equal by any stretch of the imagination. If God wanted to, he could annihilate all the forces of hell. I mean, with his pinky finger, like a gnat, like a slow gnat. You know, that's I mean, like, all right, I'm done. I'm done with you. Why doesn't he? Well, that's why you have to study. That's why you have to study, because he had an objective, and we needed to be in a process in order for him to reach his objective in us. And Satan rebelled, and it's all part of the, it's all part of the situation. I guess you could think of it as a game, but it's not a joke. It's, it's like a, but it's all part of the, the situation we're in in order for God to accomplish what he wants to in us. You figure out how to play it, and you win. So the apostle, but part of it is this is a siege war. So recently, the most recent person, miraculous person that God touched and God brought in his community had the typical night, you know, meltdown. And I actually told Jason, who, praise the Lord, is now officially on staff. Um, I told him a few days ago, the shoe has got to drop. It always does. It always drops. When you take someone out of dark, dark, darkness. It always drops because the devil is like, I don't know. It's like, uh, again, I'm thinking of the Lord of the Rings. There's a, there's a situation where they're, I can't even remember which one, the little hobbits are down there. And this uh, orc is trying to eat one of the hobbits and he kicks him right in the face. Do you remember that? He's, he's trying to get away from him. And he just, this little tiny hobbit kicks him in the, and his head turns like this. And then he goes, right? So that's what we just did. That's what we do every time we lead someone to Christ. We just kick some demonic power right in the face. And they don't go whimpering off, you know, and curl up in the fetal position. They've been around, according to Scripture, for millennia. They know how to destroy people, and they're going to see if we mean business. And uh, a lot of Christians say, well, God is sovereign, so I guess we just believe this is God's will. Nonsense. We says, look, they say, look, we, we just punched him in the mouth and he, he swung back. But the Bible promises, if we're excellent, what is good, innocent of evil, the God of peace will soon what? Crush Satan under our feet. If we're, what does it say? Uh, don't be weary, don't grow weary in well-doing because in time, you will reap a harvest. Not might, but the Bible also tells us don't give up. Because if you give up, then, and that's what a lot of us do. So I'm saying this because this is just part, I, I want a little clarification here. When the devil swings, we have, there have been people who God has touched and they've been sucked out of the church and they're, you know, they're around. They're not dead. Um, and Greater is he that's in us than he is in the world. It is a siege war. We make a move, the devil makes a move. We make a move, the devil makes a move. Eventually, we're going to kick his head in and we're going to get what we want. Or that promise in Romans 16 isn't true. So it's a siege war. So let's look at this passage. I'm just going to look at some of the uh, points. First of all, let's look at the opposition. I've already gone over this a little bit. There's a devil. 
too sophisticated for the devil, you just believe it's all psychology and it's all then, you and Jesus, we've been talking about this the past few weeks, if you went out to Starbucks, you would be completely disagreeing with the Son of God as to what is causing so much of our problem. He said it's not flesh and blood. This is the Apostle Paul, which Christ commissioned to turn people from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. He was God's main man on planet Earth. You'd be disagreeing with Jesus. You'd be disagreeing with the Apostle Paul. You'd be saying, no, 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 Jesus, you don't understand. I have a degree in psychology. I have a master's. I have a PhD. It's all about, you know, it's all about neurons and cells and chemicals and blah, blah, blah. And they'd be going, no, it's not. It's not. Oh, yes, it is, Jesus, because we're medical, we're scientific, we're... I like what um, James, he did a seminar a couple weeks ago. He said, we're, we're just all so, we, we've just submitted ourselves to science. And not that science is bad. Christians came up with science. Just, uh, but whatever a scientist says, they're like the high priests now. They're, they're the infallible ones. Oh, you say your problems are all science? Okay, then yes, sir. Yes. Okay, then we won't, we won't talk about this Bible talk anymore about spiritual things that we can't see. Yeah, there's a reality scientific component to it but there's a deeper reality and the reality is spiritual and we have access to that and we can solve things on a way deeper level than a scientist can especially when it comes to the human soul we have to realize there's an opposition and it's demonic um you can't fight demons with medicine you can't fight demons with secular counsel uh, and I know this would offend a lot of Christians. I don't care because I've not seen the kind of success come out of medicine or, or uh, secular counseling that I've seen with the truth of Jesus Christ and what the Bible teaches. And again, you've heard this many times. I used to have voices in my head. I used to punch myself to make them stop. Many of you in this room, I mean, the other day we had three people say, you know, I used to be on meth. I'm done. I'm out. I'm clean. I'm, I'm free. I don't know what percentage of us used to be nuts. Plenty of people in here used to be in mental hospitals, et cetera, et cetera, addicted to all kinds of sin. We're free. We're not bleeding out, struggling through the rest of our life. You know, like, oh, I got to go to my therapist so I can talk about hatred rises up into me because I wasn't given a little red wagon when I was a kid or whatever. We don't have to do that. We're done. We're done with the voices. We're done with the crazy. We're done with the sin. And it's through God's truth. It's through this kind of stuff. So, there are these spiritual forces. Uh, a lot of Christians never think about it. A lot of pastors don't even believe it anymore. We do as a church. And so you need to understand there are these forces and they have intelligent schemes. Another thing that the Apostle Paul says, so I'll read it again. Put on the full armor of God that you may be, be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It does not have to do primarily with this material universe. It has to do with the immaterial universe that has cords into the, the material universe, and they're pulling our strings. Learn how to fight them. Uh, so we can stand against the schemes. Schemes are intelligent designs. Second Corinthians also talks about schemes. Paul is talking to the church in Corinth, and he says, this is a little bit of lead-in. I don't want you to get confused here. My point is the last line. Paul says, if you forgive anything, I'll forgive also. For indeed, what have I, uh, what I've forgiven, I've, uh, if I've forgiven anything, I did it for your sakes in the presence of Christ. He's saying, look, forgiveness in the body of Christ is necessary. Why? 
So no advantage be taken of us by Satan because we're not ignorant of his schemes. Now he's talking about a particular scheme of Satan here. And the particular scheme of Satan is to tempt us to withhold forgiveness when we should release forgiveness. Um, the Bible talks a lot about that. It's kind of along lines of bitterness. It, it, where you have bitterness in your heart, that's the devil can work you at that point. You have unforgiveness. So Paul's like, yeah, release forgiveness uh, into the situation so that the devil is excluded from our church from this situation that he's talking about. And Paul says, I know how he works. Slightly different words in the Greek. One of them have to, the previous one has to do with like deception and trickery. This one has Paul's basically saying, now this is pretty audacious. I know how the devil's mind works. That's what he's saying here. I know how the devil's mind works. I know how he works a situation like this. You know how the devil's mind works? Well, if you don't believe in a devil, you can't. If you don't study the Bible, you can't. And so really, you're not going to be much use in helping people that are really shattered. And But anyway, this is all just triggered by the fact that I've been doing this for 30 years, and I'm not the greatest at anything. But to say I don't know anything and I've never seen anything would just be a lie. We invite people in who are shattered beyond what most people think is any help because we believe with complete confidence that they can be fixed. I, or I wouldn't do it. And I've been doing it for 30 years. I wouldn't do it if every case of homeless, crazy, addict, violent, addiction, bondage, whatever, if I didn't think they could be fixed, I would not invite them into this community because I know that we have the tools to fix them. But Paul says, we're not ignorant of his schemes. Now, you guys need to realize that it's up to you to learn his schemes so you can counter them. One of the things that happens in the battle is when we bring in a super broken person, there is a 90 plus percent chance. I'm not going to say it always happens, but it virtually always happens in what I've seen. They're going to spin off into darkness. So what do we do then? Mope, cry, say, what did we do wrong? No, we double up our efforts and we pray hard and we cry out to God because that the devil is up to his normal tricks. So, <clears throat> so we have the opposition. And then this next section that's highlighted here, I want to go through the weapons. Because if you don't have the weapons, you're not going to be much good. You can know about the opposition. You say, oh, I know there's a devil. I know about, you know, what it is to be tormented and terrorized and out of control, but I have no idea how to fight him. So he says, take up the full armor of God so that you'll be able to resist in the evil day. The evil day is the day when Satan seems to have the upper hand. So the evil day for the people you love is when they seem to be under his thumb, under his control, under his power. So. So we can resist in the evil day, having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth. <clears throat> Underneath it all is a deep, deep knowledge of Scripture. You cannot learn the devil's schemes from a spiritual warfare conference where people are spouting off the latest new revelation, which is what spiritual warfare conferences are a lot of times. We're going to be yelling at territorial spirits in the stratosphere, and we're going to be dealing with territorial spirits that have come down through, you know, whatever, our DNA. And it's like, none of that's in the Bible. There's plenty in the Bible about spiritual warfare. 
you have to learn the Word of God. So in this church, we a lot of people think we're extreme in our commitment to Scripture, but the Bible says, look, if you want to win this battle, you have to be committed to truth, and that kind of undergirds everything else that happens. That's why we memorize not verses, not a verse here and a verse here there. Um, I don't want to like criticize ways of doing it. I'll just leave that alone. But we want to know as much as we possibly can know of the Scripture. If Jesus, when he confronts the devil in the wilderness, is quoting Scripture, saying, it is written, it is written, and eventually that's what makes the devil give up, uh, then we need to be able to do the same thing. Not just look up something in the concordance or on our Bible app. So the Bible is like our sword. And I've used this analogy a lot. Some people have a decorative sword over their fireplace. If someone broke into their house, they wouldn't even know which end to grab. Probably cut their hands, you know. Maybe they swing it really hard and hit their own self in the head, you know, or whatever. We want to know how to handle it. We want to know how to answer any, you know, objection, question. We want to be masters with that, that scripture. So truth, that's the first thing. That's why I will spend, as a rule, at least an hour every day in the Word of God. Um, sometimes two, sometimes three. People go, oh, you're extremist. Well, that's why people can send crazies to our church that can't find help elsewhere, because I do that, and a lot of you guys do that. It's the only way you can be effective in the spiritual battle. If you don't know the Word of God, you can't win. So we'll leave that one aside, and hopefully God will just kind of, some, you know, <laughs> and the devil's got all kinds of tricks. For some of you guys, he's like, oh, that's legalism. Yeah, that's legalism. I have freedom in Christ. I'm not going to study the Bible. The devil's like, <laughs> we got you, man. That little wimpy, little that's legalism trick, and you're done with the Bible, we got you for the rest of your life. You're going to be useless. They're going to be to help your wife, your kids, your friends, just because some pathetic little art. So, no, you got to know it. All right, let's move on to righteousness. What's righteousness? Oop, no, I don't do that. I have them highlighted. What he's talking about here is practical righteousness. If you want to fight the battle, you have to be walking in holiness. That means, to the best of your knowledge, you're walking in obedience to God. How you're handling your finances, what job you're in, who your friends are, how you're engaging your family. Some of you guys, the first thing you had to do when you surrendered to Jesus was he said, get the heck away from your family. That's what he told you to do. And Jesus says that over and over again. He said, I didn't come to bring peace on earth, but a sword. He said, I came to separate people out of their families, cause tension in their family because their family is what's killing them. Some of you guys had to basically almost divorce your family because they're so full of sin and they're so committed to the devil and they're so committed to immorality that there's no way you could stay in that mix. And now the Lord lets you get back into your family, right? After you got a little training, got a little strength. It's not because he hates your family. He just knows you can't stand in that climate for a while. So righteousness is obeying God in every area that you're aware of. Um, that's why virtually every day I have a commitment to spend an hour in prayer. Part of that hour of prayer is search me, God, know my heart. Uh, what area of my life is not in submission to you? If there's an area of your life where you're not walking in practical righteousness, that's like a crack in your armor. And that is where an arrow can get through and mortally wound you. Righteousness is like a breastplate. It's guarding all your vital organs. So 
Again, people are like, well, that's holiness. I have freedom in Christ, so I can sleep with my boyfriend, my girlfriend. I can cheat on my taxes. I have freedom in Christ. I'm covered by the blood. And the devil's laughing at you. He says, yeah, you might as well just take your breastplate off, and we're just going to shoot you right in the vital organ. You wonder why you don't have peace and joy and why you're so anxious and neurotic? It's because you're kidding yourself. He says, you have to walk in truth. You have to walk in practical holiness and righteousness. <laughs> what else do we got? Uh, shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Which means if you want to keep your footing in the battle, you got to be super clear on the gospel. Everybody in here clear on the gospel? Are you still like, am I really forgiven? Does God really love me? You know, did Jesus really die for me? Or is there any ambiguity there? You want to have traction. You want to keep your footing. You got to know you're loved. You got to know you're saved. You got to know you have a right standing before God. And that's what keeps you in the game and keeps you situated in the battle. And I'm blowing through these really fast. But um, <clears throat> anyhow. And then, in addition to all, take up the shield of faith. How does that work? Well, because you're rooted and grounded in truth, because you're full of the Bible, you're full of the Word of God, you know what promises God has made. So when you're in a warfare situation and the devil fires a dart at you, you can put it out. He fires a lie at you. You say, well, that's not true. That's not true of me. That's not true of the situation. It's hopeless. There's no way out of that. That's ridiculous, Satan. If, if I'm alive, if that person's alive, oh, you, can, you, don't, you don't have authority to stand against me. Yes, I do. The scripture says I do. And the devil says, I mean, the scripture says you're going to lose this battle. If we know the word of God, everything that he tries to discourage us with, there's no way out of this problem. You can't be forgiven. You've blown it too bad. What, whatever he's telling you, you can extinguish it. If you know the word of God, now not just see knowing it's not enough. You have to know it and then believe it. That's what you have to know it and then do it. That's what James says. Don't just be a hearer, be a hearer and a doer. But the shield of faith is also essential. essential. So you have to know it. You have to be walking in righteousness. Now, by the way, where do we get all our standards of righteousness? From knowing the word. Where do we get all of our, uh, the truths that we're holding on to, that we're standing in this battle with? From the word. So if you don't have knowledge of the word, you're, you're pretty sunk. Kind of interesting here because basically we've got a, a word prayer sandwich going on in this passage. And that's kind of what makes you as a disciple. If you're a word and prayer person, then you're going to be filling, you're going to be covering all these bases. You're going to be clothed in your armor. You're going to be a difference maker. Um, if you're not in, in getting to know the word and you're not a person of prayer, you're just going to be out there getting thrashed around, kicked around, you know, most likely bleeding out, wondering why isn't my life any better now that I'm born again. Uh, you're saved, but you're ignorant. Like Paul said, ignorant of his schemes and ignorant of how to fight. So, preparation of the gospel of peace, peace, taking up the shield of faith, um, putting on the helmet of salvation, and uh, to be quite honest, I'm a little stymied by that one. Uh, if you got any really good ideas about, it, I was even praying over it. I've been praying over that for years. I'm like, why do you, why do you say that there? You already said preparation of the gospel of peace. I'm sure somebody out there has some revelation. Please, you, you can tell me about that one. But there's something about salvation that he likens to a covering of the mind. So, um, and then, but so I'm not going to talk a lot about that one. I could throw out a bunch of theories, but I don't have real clarity. I, I feel like I'm pretty good on the other one. Um, but uh, 
And then the final one is the sword of the spirit. And some people will get in a group of people and they'll say, hold up your sword. And everyone will take their Bible and they'll hold it up. I don't think that's what he's talking about. Because the word is rhema. And rhema is a living word. All these other things are defensive. You got traction. You, you're, you're extinguishing the flaming missiles. You got your head covered. You got your vitals covered. What am I missing here? Oh, you're girded up with truth. And this, this is what you go on the rampage with. This is how you enter into darkness. And demons are flying and you're taking what you want. If that sounds violent, Jesus was violent. He said, I came to pillage Satan's house. We're supposed to be pillaging Satan's house. And it's with the, it's with the living word of God. So God is going to be speaking to you and through you into dark situations to bring about victory. You're going to be speaking into people's lives. You're going to be defeating Satan by the words that come out of your mouth in these situations and by prophetic uh, pronouncements that you're making in faith because you're a person of prayer. But this is the living word of God. So of course it lines up with what you've learned in the word of God, but this is a, this is a slightly different word, kind of a surprising word. And it's also interesting when Jesus is in the wilderness, he didn't say, he said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It's got to be a living word, not a dead, you know, scholarly, academic word. The word of God connected to the living God is how we move forward in these situations. Speaking at, as God's representative, whether it's the power of the gospel or whether it's uh, the, the word of freedom that we're speaking to other believers. But this is the, these are the weapons. Do you know the word? Are you walking in these things? Are, do you understand the devil's schemes because you've been in the word? And are you ready to go to battle? So when this happened, this time, I knew it was coming or it was highly likely it was going to come before it happened because I've been doing this for 30 years. Um, and a lot of times people that don't understand the schemes of the devil at all get super discouraged. What are we doing wrong? You know, What's the matter with our church? Why aren't we awesome? Why can't we just lay hands on someone and they just sprout wings and fly to glory? It's not the way it works. So are you aware of how it works? Are you in the battle? Are you part of the battle? When the devil makes a move, do you know the next counter move to make? And so, and I already mentioned this as well. How's this all going to come about? Are we a people of prayer? Ultimately, it's an unseen battle. This is a, this is a weapon we cannot see. But this is how we invite the presence, the grace, the glory, the power of God into impossible situations. The more our church prays, the more victory we're going to see. The more the people in this church that pray more are the ones that have more of God's touch on their life. Now, it's not just more. You also have to do it intelligently because you can pray wrongly. But I mean, the, the people that are praying properly uh, with, I mean, you pray this much, you get this much glory. You pray this much, you get this much glory. James says, if you get nothing, it's because you're not praying at all. You don't have because you don't ask. But this is how all this happens. This all happens in prayer. So what is the primary thing we should be doing when we brought someone in who is, and some people are a combination of these things. They've been ravaged by sexual and physical abuse. They've been completely rejected by every single family member. Um, they've, I mean, the drug addiction. 
occult involvement, all these kind of things. Ultimately, it's a spiritual battle. And Paul, the one thing that he ends with here is, if you're going to win this thing, there's got to be a lot of prayer going on. And we do pray. Some of you guys pray for an hour a day. Uh, we pray for a couple hours on Tuesday night. That's why we're seeing some good stuff happen. Pray more. Guess what? More is going to happen. I was also thinking, if this is a siege war, and uh, Satan is kind of giving us some backlash here, there's also levels of intensity in prayer. And I know this all sounds strange and foreign to a lot of us who grew up in churches that didn't even have a philosophy of prayer. But um, intercession can be an emotional, like, like wrap up your whole being, like the greatest soul winners in history, near the closet of John Hyde, one of the greatest soul winners I've ever read about. We hear the groaning and the sighing and the tears streaming down his face, racked with sobs as he pleads, God, give me souls or I die. You ever pray like that? William Booth, who basically turned the English-speaking world on its head, and um, some young guys are like, how does this guy win so many people to Christ? And they sent him a uh, telegram, and he sent one back. He said, try tears. Throw yourself into this. So you think about the devil coming, you know, throwing up the siege wall. I think we better better uh, address that. Um, I don't know, Bob, Joe, you want to go take care of that? We're playing checkers over here, uh, you know, or we got to prepare to. No, let's let's throw ourselves into it. Let's let's get some fire in our bones and go against what Satan is doing here. I've uh, seen the greatest miracles when my intensity level in prayer is way higher. Now, there's nothing wrong with just normal praying. That's usually what we're doing, but there comes a time when the devil hits hard, we got to hit hard. Um, and I've seen the greatest breakthroughs when I throw myself into prayer. So um, how's this all going to happen? How's this war going to happen? It's going to happen in prayer. And in prayer, that's where you learn how to do this stuff. Prayer, this is where we affect all this stuff. This is where we make sure we're walking in righteousness. This makes sure where we, where we make sure we're discerning how the devil's attacking me, attacking my family. This is where we stand. Word of God and prayer. So I'm doing all this to just encourage you guys. This is normal. Make a note of it. We, if we go back to our church histories, we can like we can look. Oh yeah, remember this person? Remember, remember they were nuts. Remember they came to the, se the the seminar and they were so out there. I mean, I I'm pulling up the file. Are you pulling up the file? Remember this person? They were so out there. Like, what is she doing here? I don't know. They let her out for a while, and so she's here. Is she right with God? No, she's not. The perfect they're so fine now we don't even remember that's where they came from you know it's if we want to we have this whole string of people that, that god has touched and god has delivered and god has healed and it's because to some degree we're doing this stuff but don't be surprised when the next now the next person who comes in they're going to be restored and they're going to be healthy and they're going to be whole and then god's going to send us somebody else and what's going to happen God's going to touch them. God's going to bless them. He's going to blow their mind. The devil's going to come in like a flood, try to bring them back. And then we have to say, yep, time to stand. Got our armor on. Let's pray. Let's pray hard. Let's pray ferocious prayers. Let's pray angry prayers. Not angry at God, angry at the evil one. Crying out for justice. So anyhow, uh, yeah, when, when something's on my heart and mind, that's, uh, that's what you're going to hear about. And so this week, I hope this is helpful. I, I mean, we could go around this room. There's people that we love that were touched by God that lived in your house. 
and they're out there, right? We can have them. We can win them. We don't give up. We stand. We fight. Um, if they're not dead, one time a person said uh, he struggled a lot, and I said, oh, there is, there is a situation that you can be in where there's no more hope for you. And he was like, <gasps> what? I said, put out your hand. And I felt his pulse. And I said, oh, you're good. If they're not dead, if they're not dead, believe you can win them. We just have to learn how to do it. So, you guys know what I'm talking about. But there's a whole bunch of other people. We've rescued, we rescued that girl out of sex trafficking, and then she got sucked back into stuff. She's still talking to people in the church. We, th there's addicts, there's street people, there's all kinds of people that have come in here, and they've been touched, and then they're, maybe they're out right now. They're not dead, and there's, some of them are still contacting me. Like, I wish I weren't here. I wish I were holy. I wish I were back. I just don't know how to get back. We just got to keep fighting, keep standing. So, anyhow, I hope that was helpful. hope that was encouraging. Get in the word. Don't give up. If you give up, you won't win. You're not going to win. God's allowed us to be in the battle. He's given us responsibility. He lets us partner. He lets us learn how to win. And winning's fun. It's really fun to win. It's fun to look around this room and think about all the battles that we've won. But stand, fight, believe, learn how to do it. Because uh, I don't think God wants us to stay where we are. I think he wants us to have greater impact, bring more people in. The harvest is plentiful, the labors are few. So God, teach us how to do it. So let's pray. Father, uh, we thank you for victories. I can look around this room at people. Um, they were crazy. They were lost. They were addicted. They were violent. They were suicidal. And now they're at peace and they're fruitful and they're experiencing joy. And full. none of us are perfect, but man... It is nice to be on the right side of sane and on the right side of holy and on the right side of peaceful, um, where there are more good days than bad days. Um, we're on the right side of knowing how to have good relationships and be a friend and know what our purpose and destiny are. So, Lord, we just praise you. We thank you. You've given us the solution. Help our church to become mighty, mighty in prayer, mighty in battle. And uh, we pray for the situation where the devil has pushed back. And in Jesus' name, we pray for another victory. Just like we've already seen, Lord, forgive us another victory. And we will worship you because it's all from you. It's through you and it's back to you. And we just want to give you all the glory. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.